My name is Josh Peck, host of Peck Report on Daily Renegade. I used to suffer with chronic pain from a degenerative bone disease. I was hopelessly addicted to opioids without any end in sight. But then I discovered Kratom and CBD. I am no longer on prescription drugs and I have more energy and pain relief than ever before. Kratom and CBD have given me my life back without draining my bank account. If you too would like some minor to major pain relief, Kratom and CBD might be for you. Either click on the links in the description below this video or go to dailyrenegade.com on the top left banner or right side ad and check out Tropic Health Kratom and CBD. Use promo code HEALTH20 for 20% off your order and get your life back today. Have we been getting Matthew 24 all wrong? Also, why I have decided to back off from politics. There's actually a pretty interesting story behind that. And we have a very big announcement at Daily Renegade, uh, something you're you're going to want to see. And if you haven't had a chance, make sure to get a membership because it's the only way you're going to have uh, uh, access to a free sneak peek, something that is coming up soon. So all that and more on today's Peck Report. everybody hope you are doing well the the thing that we're going to take a look at later on in the show is i'm going to show you an excerpt of a new dvd that we at daily renegade have coming out and it's concerning the new abraham accord it's prophetic possible prophetic significance uh it's it's a documentary we have some great guests we'll talk more about that in a little bit you're actually going to get to see a sneak peek of it if you are a member so if you uh want to get that membership go to dailyrenegade.com become a member today it's only ten dollars a month or one hundred dollars a year i suggest getting the year membership because then you get two months for free uh but then you will get a free sneak peek also with this movie we're trying to make it to where members will be able to stream it on the website site for free. So instead of having to buy the DVD or rent it somewhere, um, you will actually be able to watch it with your membership right on the website. So that's what we are doing. But if you're a member, you're going to get to see a sneak peek. This isn't going to be out for a little while yet. So um, exciting stuff. I wanted to talk about Matthew 24. Um, and there's, there's always been a lot of debate around, uh, how to interpret this very prophetic, uh, passage. And I've, I've always been interested in that. You know, some say that all this stuff has already been fulfilled. Some say it's still yet to be fulfilled. And I am in the, the, you know, futurist camp. Uh, that's where I find myself. But 
I think that there are some things in this passage, passage specifically that we miss uh, here in the future camp, and I don't think that we can use this whole thing in the way that we've commonly been taught. I think there's a better way to look at it. So I wanted to go over that and um, look at that today, and, and let's ask the question, have we been interpreting Matthew 24 wrong all along? Um, so the 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 part that people usually start off at um is you know they'll they'll say up here and by the way this is blueletterbible.org if if you're not familiar with it you should check it out it's a great study tool it's just a good way to read the bible on the internet um we're going to go through the KJV um actually you know what well yeah let's do KJV um i was going to go to ESV but a lot of people are familiar with the KJV in terms of this passage, so we can look at that. We're not going to really get into, I don't think, we're going to get into any of the Hebrew, but with Blue Letter Bible, if you ever wanted to look at the Hebrew, you can go to Strong's, just click that button, and it'll show you the meaning of every word. But you got to remember, Strong's concordance is not the be-all, end-all of uh, Hebrew and Greek words a, a lot of times it, it's it's like a good start but you you should get something like logos bible software if you really want to dig into it so the way that i've heard it preached pretty often is okay so you have the disciples they're asking uh jesus what what are the end days going to be like what's your return going to be like and then they start here at matthew 24 4 and says and jesus answered them and said take heed that no man deceive you there's going to be false christ wars rumors of wars um the na nation will rise against a nation kingdom against kingdom famines pestilence earthquakes and uh they'll deliver you so there's persecution there there's going to be a lot of false prophets um and the gospel will have to be preached through all the world before Jesus comes back uh and then and then but the but then you know make sure to look for the abomination of de desolation so on and so it's usually kind of preached loosely like that I think there's a lot more going on here, and I think it helps to break it down, and sometimes it's not a bad thing to just forget about everything we've we've been uh, preached and, and look at it for what it specifically says. Um, so often what we forget is the chapter does not start at verse 3. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but how many times when this chapter is preached on do we skip uh, verses 1 and 2? So verses 1 and 2 say, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be uh, shall not be thrown down. So this this gives us our context. The chapter starts off with, Jesus talking with the disciples about the temple. So the disciples are, uh, you know, and, and we have over here, you know, Mark 13, 1 uh, and 2, Luke 2, uh, 21, 5 and 6. And this get, this gives us the synoptic gospels, uh, what, what the other gospels have to say. This gives us our context. They were talking to Jesus about the temple. Look at these you know, amazing buildings that, that, that have been built. And Jesus looks at the temple and says, don't, you know, don't you see, there's not going to be one stone left on another over here, uh, you know, with this temple. 
So then we get the rest of the story. And as he sat upon, and see see how this starts. And, and as he sat upon, okay, so he just got done saying everything about the temple. You know, this thing's going to be destroyed. There's not going to be one stone left upon another. And as he's talking with the disciples, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be? Well, what things? What was established in verses one and two? Usually a lot of times when their sermons made about this chapter, what's usually left out the whole context of the chapter, what, what, what things the temple, uh, when will these things be, when shall these things be? And this is a separate question. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? All right. So some people say there's two questions here. Some people say three. Some people say one. I think what we have here is they're asking Jesus, when shall these things be? The things that, you know, what things? What are these things? These things would be the things that Jesus just talked about which is that the temple would be destroyed, not one stone upon another. So that's question one. And then I think question two comes in two parts. And while we're on the topic, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Because remember that they're still, the disciples are still in the mindset that Jesus has come to rule the nations, right? Because they haven't, they haven't put together quite yet that there's going to be like two comings of Jesus. Not, not, not exactly in the way that was originally thought that day. You know, they thought that when the Messiah came, he was going to fulfill all of the prophecies in, in the first coming and everything would be taken care of then. And I, I think the disciples were starting to see that that wasn't the case and that there was more to this story. So they're asking what'll be the sign of your coming. And, and they were probably thinking this was going to happen in their lifetimes uh, and of the end of the world. You know, Messiah's here, end of the world. They're, they're thinking that this is all going to happen soon, you know, not 2,000 years later. Now, I don't know if it's that they actually thought that or if they hoped that. And there's a, there's a difference. I, I, I lean towards hoped. I think they thought, well, because they were so open, you know, to, to being wrong. They weren't like the Pharisees. The Pharisees stuck to everything that they originally thought Messiah would be. Um, the disciples were, were more open than that. I, I think they hoped that this second coming of Jesus or, or that all of these things be fulfilled, that they hoped that all end of the world, all of this, when Jesus would establish his kingdom on earth, I think they hoped it would be in their lifetime. But I don't think it's necessarily that they thought it or, or that they were convinced it would be that way, because that that seems to say that they were disappointed when it didn't happen. I, and I, I don't I don't know if that's exactly the case. I, th I think it's accurate to say they hoped it would be in their lifetime. But it does sound like by the way that they're talking, they're they're working from that framework. All right. So when will these things be? When will the temple be destroyed? Uh, question one. Question two, what shall be the sign of your coming? Question two, part B, <laughs> and the end of the world. So that's our context. You need that context to understand what's being said, how Jesus answers. So what does Jesus say? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. So the very first thing 
that he says. He warns them against deception. The very first thing, when, when they asked, when, when will these things be? What shall be the sign of the coming in the end of the world? And it helps to think of this in terms of two questions. You know, when will the temple be destroyed? When are you coming back? <laughs> you know, when, 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 when will the end of the world be? And if we associate Jesus' uh, second coming with the end of the world, we, we can put that all into kind of one thing. So when when will be the you know the tribulation? When will be your second coming? When when will the world end? Uh, or, or or at least if you're if you're on the dispensational side, when will this dispensation? You know, however you want to word it. But when's the end coming? Uh, first, when's the temple getting destroyed? Second, when's the end of the world coming? Now the disciples might have thought these were going to happen around the same time, or they might have thought these were separate and by how long we don't know but what's the first thing that jesus said the first thing that he said is let no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying i am christ and shall deceive many now first question that pops up if they're really thinking like if they're thinking if they're convinced in their minds that this is going to happen uh in their lifetime then how can how can people come in the name of Jesus saying, I am Jesus, and how would that deceive them, right? Because they're walking with Jesus, we have to keep in mind. They know what Jesus looks like. So how could anybody else, you know, say say five years later, how could somebody else come and say, I'm Christ, I'm the Messiah, I'm Jesus, and how would they be deceived by that? So I think Jesus is giving them a clue here that, you know, look, you're, you're going to have other Christ coming in my name, don't be deceived. How would they be deceived? because they know what he looks like, because this isn't going to happen in your in your lifetime. Uh, so I th that might be a way to interpret that, or it might just mean there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say they're, they're the Messiah, and they're not. But it does say, specifically, many shall come in my name, in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Does that only apply to the title of Christ, of, you know, uh, of, of Messiah? There's a couple different ways to look at that. Um, but it sounds like part of it is, is because, again, we have to ask, how would they be deceived if they knew what Jesus looked like? Um, so part of it could be that there's just going to be false messiahs. That, that, could, that could be it. So there's two, two different ways. Or it could be people, like, people are going to come saying, I literally am Jesus Christ. And don't be deceived. Now, that interpretation would make sense in our day because there's several people around the world. And you always, every couple of years, you hear news stories about this. You know, somebody in Singapore or Mexico or, you know, even here in America, somebody's claiming to be like a reincarnated Jesus. Uh, so we can take heed of that warning today. Don't be deceived by that. But they'll come in his name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And people do get deceived by that stuff. Um, now, there were also people that claimed to be Messiah back in the times of the disciples before the, the temple was destroyed. So it could be referring to that. Um, okay, so continuing on, verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that, you, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Okay. The way that this is commonly taught, 
Um, well, let, let's let's read a couple more verses because it, it all is kind of in one thing. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places, and these are the beginnings of sorrows. All right, the way that this is usually taught is when prophecy is starting to be fulfilled, you're going to see all these things. You know, when I'm about to return, you know, Jesus is saying, when I'm about to return, you're going to start to see all these things. Earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, all of this stuff. That's when it's about to happen. Now, and I was taught that too. That's one way to look at it, but there might be a better way to look at it. What if he's saying these are not the signs of my return? But what if he's answering that first question? When shall these things be? When when will the temple be destroyed? So he's saying in verse 4 and 5, like, look, there's going to be false Christs. Um, there's going to be false messiahs. They'll deceive a lot of people. And in that time, you're going to hear of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars. But don't be troubled. All these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. What if he's saying these aren't signs of the end? The end is not yet. All of these things must come to pass. They've happened before. They're going to happen again. What if he's saying, like, this is just kind of normal? You're going to hear of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars. You're going to hear of nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines. There's going to be pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. You're going to hear of all that, but don't be troubled. That's not a sign of the end. The end is not yet. This is just, this is just normal like life on earth. They're not signs of, of anything. You know, be not troubled. It's only, and it's only the beginning of sorrows because when you see what the tribulation is really about, you know, this is just the beginning. This is, this is nothing compared to that. So what if Jesus is saying here, um, look, these things are going to continue as they have continued for a while, for quite a while, but don't be dismayed. You know, the end is not yet. So I think there's, I think that's the, the right way to look at it. I, I don't, I don't think that this, now it could, it could be that if we see increases in earthquakes and wars and, you know, maybe that could, that could point to something because if they, if this is a birth pang thing, thing about birth pangs is, um, you know, we've talked about this on Peck Report quite a bit. So you, you know it as well as I do. If you follow me, the thing about birth pangs is they, they, you know, one will hit and then you got a while to wait. Another will hit. You still got a while, but not quite as long as the last time. And then that, that continues for a really long time. So if you at home, if you have kids, you know this well. The time interval gets shorter and shorter and shorter. This could be referring to that. This could be what Jesus is talking about. Um, or it could be, and I'm, I'm, now that I'm looking into this more, I'm, I'm leaning towards this being the case, that, that Jesus is saying, like, look, this is all normal stuff. You know, it's just the beginning of sorrows. I mean, it's still something we should pay attention to, but it's not the end. The end is not yet, as he says. Uh, so then, then what does he say? And, and this kind of helps us put a timing on all this and what he's talking about. Um, uh, verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. Okay. 
So I think there's a couple of things here, a couple different ways to look at this. We could put some of this stuff back before 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. You know, what, 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 when will these things be? When will the temple be destroyed? When will these stones not, you know, fall, fall apart and not have one left upon another? And this sort of helps us give a timeline to this nation and wars of rumors of wars and nation against nation, because the next thing he says is they'll deliver you up to be afflicted. Well, that happened in the disciples' life. Now, here's where it gets confusing, because we know that that's going to happen in the tribulation as well. Christians, um, if you're a pre-trib rapture believer like I am, uh, then you know, tribulation saints, uh, Christians that get saved after the rapture, they're going to be persecuted. But even think about today, Christians are persecuted today. So people already are being delivered up to be afflicted. People are being killed for the name of Jesus. Uh, Christians are hated of all nations for Jesus's namesake. That is happening today, but it happened in the days of the disciples too. Now we have to we have to be careful not to be hyper literal when we hear things like all nations, all the world, that kind of thing, because there's a lot of times in the Bible uh, where it's just talking about kind of the locally, like all the world, the world that they knew of at the time, like the the, the outer reaches of the world is just what they knew. Now that's not always the case. Some take that idea too far and say that that's always the case, so everything is local. I don't, I don't think that. I think it depends on the context of you know, the verse that we're looking at. So if he's answering the question, when is the temple going to be destroyed? Um, this could be just referring to what's going to happen in the lifetime of the disciples. But there, there, there is also this idea in prophecy of already, but not yet. <laughs> so we can see types and shadows and you know events in history are kind of cyclical so we can see how this happened in the lives of the disciples they were delivered and killed and hated by all nations but we can see that in our lifetimes too you know there again there are christians in the middle east and china that are being horribly persecuted and during the time of the tribulation it's only going to get worse um so False prophets, that, that also is the case. Now, is that increasing? You know, possibly. Uh, probably. because, And especially false prophets have the ability to increase in our day because of the internet. Because you, you can go and watch a video from anybody that uploads it. There are huge ministries that are dedicated to false prophecy. You know, false prophets, false teachers. I don't even have to name them. You probably already have a few in mind. Um, iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But, but again, this happened in the time of the disciples too. So it, it, there were false prophets back then as well. Um, their iniqui iniquity did abound back then. The love of many did wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That's the same with us as it was with them. If you endure in your faith, if you endure, you hold on to Jesus until even until the bitter end, you know, when they, when they come and behead you, you're saved. So that's still true today. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Okay, so what is what is this that's being talked about? Now, it, there, again, there's two different ways to look at it. If this is talking about um, 70 AD, you know, the, the end of the temple, because it doesn't say the end of the world or the end of the temple. It just says the end. Well, what which end? You know, we don't know. Um, if it's talking about the 
the temple being destroyed than this the, the gospel being preached uh, in all the world that by their local definition of the world that would have been already fulfilled. If it's talking about the, the second coming of Christ and all the world is more globally, um, maybe that's the case. Now, I don't take it so far as some do that, that it means like every single tribe has, has to have heard the gospel message and must have a King James Bible in their hands. Otherwise, this prophecy isn't fulfilled. I don't believe that, but I don't think that that's necessarily a terrible thing to believe in because it does cause some ministries have, have really taken on this responsibility to print Bibles and get them translated in other languages and send them out to uh, these other countries that may not have gotten them otherwise because they want to try to help fulfill that prophecy so Jesus will come back. Um, I don't think we necessarily have to take it to that literal of an understanding, but in some ways I can see the benefit of that. I can see, you know, it, it, maybe it's not going too far to say I can see Jesus working in that because now these people have the, the, these ministries have more motivation to spread the gospel into little tiny countries and little tribes out in the middle of nowhere uh maybe they wouldn't have had that otherwise I don't know um so what comes next now so all of this th that's what makes this this tricky because some of this could be talking about 70 AD and the, 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 the destruction of the temple. All of this could be so far. All of it could be. Um, but I think the way that we look for prophecy might, there might be a better way to, to look at it. I don't think necessarily it's a bad thing to look at earthquake counters and see if, you know, there's an increase in earthquakes. I don't think that's, bad i it would be interesting if they're increasing and and we can actually measure that and if it's if it's true you know that that then okay maybe that's a birth paying thing maybe but i think a better reading of this verse is jesus is saying these are not signs of his coming that that this is this this is what's going to happen you know you're going to hear of wars rumors of wars you're, there's going to be people coming in my name People saying I saying I am Christ, you're, but you're going to hear of wars. You're gonna, don't be troubled by that. These things have to happen. They're they're going to happen like they've always happened. Uh, this is only the beginning of sorrows. It's going to get a lot worse. So if if we're not supposed to look at those for our signs, what are we supposed to look for? Well, we get we get the answer here in verse fifteen. So he goes through all that, and you could say all of this was fulfilled by the time of 70 AD and maybe this then shall the end come maybe that's talking about the destruction of the temple maybe like i said there's a couple different ways of looking at it so uh so what comes next well i think that this is the sign that jesus is going to be returning soon because again you have that you have those two questions you have when will these things be when will you know and we get the context of the temple in the first couple of verses. When's the temple going to be destroyed? And when's the sign of your coming into the end of the world? So I think now in verse 15, he's answering the second question. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by, the da by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains let him which is on the housetop not come down take anything out of the house 
don't, you know, uh, if you're in the field, don't come back and get your clothes. Uh, hopefully you're not nursing cause it's going to be really bad. Pray that your flight be not in the winter. Okay. All, all these things for then verse 21 for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. This is where I disagree with, uh, preterists and partial preterists, because I don't think this, this could be talking about 70 AD and except those days should be shortened. There should be, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Okay. So there's some stuff to break down here. First, okay, I think the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, I don't think that there was anything in 70 AD that would apply to that. So some people say that Titus might have done something and but but we have to take that with what's said down here about um this will be great tribulation such as was not since the begin beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be. And I don't think you could look at 70 AD and say that that is now granted it was bad. It was really bad. It, it was, it was a worse time than most pastors will look into to actually be able to talk about. It was horrific. Um, if you, if you want to see like a really bad time in human history, look at that. But it, it, so I'm not trying to say that it was easy or it was a picnic. It was horrible, but would we really say that since that time, there has never been a time anywhere, any place that has been as bad or worse than that? I, I don't, I don't think so. And what about those days being shortened? How, how would that fit in? Because if this was all 70 AD, how are those days shortened? Um, and how, if they weren't shortened, how would that event in 70 AD, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, how would that mean that there's no flesh that would be saved, but for the elect's sake that shall be shortened? So somehow the days were shortened, but no flesh would be saved? I mean, it wasn't a worldwide thing. Even even if you take the, the local definition of, of world, they're, they're kind of known, they're known parts of the world uh, at that point. It, it wasn't threatening to everybody. It was only threatening to... Jewish people, the temple, those, those people in that specific area, but even the world, even by the local standards that wouldn't have destroyed all flesh in that local area. Um, it was pretty localized to just Jerusalem and, you know, obviously on the outskirts cause the Jewish people suffered greatly. So there should be no flesh saved. Uh, and, and, you know, some might try to spiritualize that and say, well, that's talking about saved as in salvation. Like they're, they, they, like they were, the Christians, early Christians were persecuted so severely that if the days of that persecution weren't shortened, then nobody would have gotten saved because all the Christians would be dead and nobody would have heard the gospel. I don't know, because why does it say no flesh? You know, it, it, it's not the flesh that's saved. The flesh is the thing that dies. So when i when i accept jesus christ as my savior it's not to save my flesh it's to save my soul my spirit so i don't i don't i don't know about that now if you take the futurist interpretation then this makes a lot of sense uh there's never going to be tribulation like that again uh it it's the worst that it's ever going to be 
that makes a lot of sense when you read um, the book of Revelation with a worldwide framework because it's going to be really bad. So what's the sign of that? What What is the sign of the end? And I, I think what Jesus is saying is, you know, you want a sign for the end of the world, here it is, the abomination of desolation. I think he's answering that second question. I don't think he's on the first question anymore. When will the temple be destroyed? I think now he has moved to the second question. Uh, when is What's the sign of your coming and of, uh, you know, of the end of the world? And I think it's the abomination of desolation. And we read about that in the book of Revelation, if you hold to this view, I do, where... Um, where and of course in the book of Daniel we we read about that too. Now the interesting thing about this, and th this is what gives us our already but not yet kind of paradigm. I think Jesus gives us this because a lot of people would say, well, the abomination of desolation in Daniel was was already fulfilled by Antiochus Epiphanes. He he stood in the temple and he slaughtered a pig, and it was this disastrous, horrible thing, and that that was how that prophecy was fulfilled. Correct. But it was already fulfilled, but not yet. So it's gonna. It, there's gonna be a second version of that. And Jesus, because the Antiochus Epiphanes that happened, I think like 160 years before Jesus was born, something like that. I might, I might have the years wrong, but it happened quite a quite a long time before Jesus was born. And Jesus was saying, "All right, when you see this happen," and I think, I think. The Antiochus Epiphanes is, you know, it was a fulfillment, but it was like an example of what to expect again, you know, what to expect later. It was like a shadow of the thing to come, but it's still, it's still a fulfillment. It's, it's an already, but not yet. It's already fulfilled, but not yet. We're going to see it. We're going to see it fulfilled again. Um, and there might even be ways that you take that verse and split it where, where some parts of it were fulfilled and the rest will be fulfilled in the second, uh, in the second occurrence the second, um, you know, abomination of desolation, just like, uh, um, what is it? Jesus will be born of a virgin. That prophecy, when you go back and that's a whole other study, but when you go back and read that parts of it were fulfilled during that time when it was first written. And then parts of it, the rest of it were, was fulfilled in Jesus hundreds of years later. And that's an interesting study, too. So it's like an already but not yet kind of thing. Um, Jesus himself did this when he read like half of a verse from, I believe, Isaiah or something. So it could be that. But I think this is talking about the tribulation. And I don't think that you could, you know, logically, reasonably say that this was fulfilled in 70 AD. You can sort of make it work but it's it's i think an easier reading like a, a more natural reading of it and hey this could just be because this is what i was raised in so i'm fully willing to admit that but that's also why i like these conversations and these types of studies but um it could it it, it could it could be that but i think what's happening is this this is talking about the tribulation now jesus is answering that second question what's going to be What's going to be the time of your, you know, what, what what's the sign of your coming? I don't think that the sign of Jesus coming is is earthquakes or, or, or wars or, or rumors of wars, even though that is happening, but that's kind of always been the case. I think the real sign is the abomination of desolation, which, like I said, I'm, I'm pre-trib, I'm a pre-trib rapture believer. Uh, so for us, we're already going to be out of here. And I think that's what this whoso readeth, let him understand. There's been a lot of study 
this alone, because you see this again in Revelation when uh, John is writing about the number of the beast, 666, let, let, him, uh, let him who reads understands. One way to interpret this, what this means, and I think this is a good way to interpret it, there, there's really only a couple of options. You know, you got one option where uh, the author here is saying, like, look, I can't figure this out. You, whoever is reading it, let you understand, because I don't know. I, I don't know about that. What I think, what I think seems to be right, and, you know, again, I, I, I'm not certain, but what seems to be right is whoso readeth, let him understand. I think, I think what it means is, you know, you during the time when this happens, you're going to get it. You'll understand then. We're not going to understand now. Like, so the author is in a sense saying, I don't know what this means, but it, it's that this is for the people who are alive during that time. Um, you will understand, you will understand it then when it happens, but not, not before. And I think 666 is like that too. That's why it says, you know, who, let, let him who reads understand or however it's, it's worded. I think it's saying we're not, we're not going to understand this until it happens. So somebody might say that that's the case in 70 AD, but I don't think so because 70 AD did not give anybody, as far as I'm aware, did not give anybody any extra information or any extra, you know, interpretation, any way of interpretation uh, at 70 AD that they couldn't have had before. So I think that during the tribulation, th this is going to be something, you know, if you take the futurist approach, there, there's a bunch of stuff with the abomination of desolation in the book of Revelation that we don't understand. We don't know what the image of the beast is, and we probably won't know until it happens. Is it, I mean, it wasn't even until our modern era where we could start talking about things like holograms or clones or, you know, weird stuff like that. Um, and I don't, I don't know if any of those is right, by the way, but, um, it wasn't, it wasn't until just recently that we've even been able to see that as a possibility. So same with Mark of the Beast. How could that possibly happen? Well, let him who reads understand because you're reading it during that time. You're, you're going to, you're going to get it. So I think, I think that's what we're looking at here. Um, okay. So then we get all of this about, you know, flee, pray that it's not in the winter. Uh, and then down to verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. That's one of those verses that makes perfect sense with the futurist seven year tribulation thing. But for like some form of preterism, you, you got to kind of work it in and make it fit. And it doesn't really fit in just the plain reading of the text. And in, in my opinion, now, again, that's not to bash preterists or partial preterists. Uh, I, 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 love everybody and they very well might be right. Um, it's not a salvational issue, but just in, in, in my view, I, I don't, I don't see how that could be easily understood without having to do a lot of finessing. Um, all right, let's go on to verse 23. Then if any man, so then if any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ or there, don't believe it, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. So it sounds like, behold, I've told you before. Well, when did he tell them before? Back up the beginning, you know, of, of his whole of his whole uh, spiel here. He, he said it up here, that there's going to be false Christs. So I think he's calling back to that. Hey, I've told you this before. You, you, you've seen this before. It's going to happen again. What's going to happen again? False Christ, false prophets. And again, 
you know, we're, we're, we're likely to see a lot of that if there's a future seven-year tribulation. But if this was the case that this is 70 AD, then somebody might say, well, he's just repeating. I mean, you, you would have to say he's just repeating himself, um, you know, that during, during that time. But when he said it before, he was talking about what's leading up to what's leading up to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, right? What's, what's leading up to that? And I think futurists and preterists would both agree what's leading up to that is the false Christ, the false prophets, you know, don't be deceived. Many will come in my name. Okay. So that's, what's leading up to it. So we're not at the destruction of the temple yet, right? Now at the destruction of the temple, if this is a 70 AD interpretation and this is this up here is just talking about 70 AD, which I don't believe, but if it is, then what happens? Then, if any man shall say to you, when is then? When when would that be? After these days were shortened, after no flesh would be saved unless I did something, you know, uh, after the destruction of the temple. Then, if any man say to you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs, and there'll be great signs and wonders. Behold, I have told you before. In the in the on the preterist side, you would have to say he's repeating himself, but he's referring back to the first one, but that already happened because that was leading up to the destruction of the temple. So you would have to say, to be consistent, that it happens twice, one right after another. Why wouldn't you just look at that time and, and you know, why if, if that was the case, why wouldn't Jesus just say during this time, you know, we're going to see false Christs? It, why, why would there be these, these, two, these two versions of that? Behold, I've told you before, this is going to happen after the temple, but also before it too, it's never really going to stop, but I'm not going to describe it that way. I'm going to describe it as two separate things. That, that to me just doesn't feel natural, like a natural way that somebody would talk and explain things. Now, what does make sense is if this is talking about like thousands of years later, you know, uh, during a seven-year tribulation, um, if the first time if the first time he brought up false prophets and people will come in my name, the first time is leading up to the temple, so that was seventy A.D. Let's say, and then the next time here in verse twenty-four, he's talking about two thousand years later. Like, look, behold, I've told you before, this is going to happen again. I've told exactly what you saw back then. It's going to happen in the tribulation. Then that that makes sense to me. I could see somebody describing these two, you know, arrivals of these false prophets if they're separated by 2,000 years or three or however long it's going to be. That feels a lot more natural to me than to be like, yeah, it's kind of all in the same time, but let's just say it's twice. And I, I, that I don't get. Uh, but again, I, I'm not the end all be all of uh, Bible prophecy. I could be wrong. I could be missing something, but I, I don't think I am. T to me, this, this, feels perfectly natural and falls perfectly in line with there being a seven-year tribulation in the future. And Jesus is saying, you know, what you saw at the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, uh, you're going to see that same type of thing again in the seven-year tribulation. There's going to be false Christ, signs, wonders. Um, and if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. All right. Um, next, verse 26. Wherefore, if they shall say to you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not for as lightning cometh 
out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, for wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Okay. So, uh, by the way, verse 28, I don't know what to do with that. So, um, unfortunately, I'm very, very ignorant. There could be some kind of hidden meaning having to do with maybe eagles represents a nation or something. Uh, that verse 28, admittedly, I have to do more. I have to look into more before I can comment intelligently at all on that. But, okay, so this. Uh, Wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Now, why would why would the disciples, this is, this is what I asked before, why would the disciples in or around 70 A.D., if this was 70 A.D., why would they be, de- be deceived by that? Because, again, they know what Jesus looks like. Now, we could get deceived by that. We don't know what he looks like. We have no idea. We've never seen him. But they they did. So why would Jesus warn them not to be deceived by these false Christs if it was only in their lifetime, if there was no future application? You know, um, it makes sense if he were to say, don't fall for their teachings, or if they're, if they're, if they're, like I, like I, said before, if they're coming as a Messiah figure or if they're saying they're the Messiah. But here in 26, it seems to say, wherefore, if they say to you, behold, he, who's he? Jesus. He is in the desert. Go not forth. He is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. Right? He's talking about false Christs. Well, now he really is saying this isn't just a Messiah figure. Now he's, now he's saying like he, as in he's talking about him, himself, individual, like Jesus Christ. If they're saying he's in the desert, don't go. I'm not, that's not how I'm returning, right? Because he says, he says how he's going to return. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Um. So that's how Jesus is going to return. He's not going to be coming in the desert or secret chambers. Well, again, why would they be deceived by that if they know what Jesus looks like? Because they would they would take one look at this false Jesus and they would say, "You're not Jesus. You don't look anything like him." <laughs> you know? So it makes sense if it's future, if it's like say for us or a couple generations down the line. We don't know what Jesus looks like. So Jesus is saying, if there's somebody in the desert or secret chambers that, you know, say, I, I'm I'm Jesus, don't believe it. We have that today. We have people claiming they're Jesus today, and some people do believe it and, and follow them around. Um, there's also an interesting thing, and I don't know if this applies in Greek. You know, actually, let's find out. Uh, that word east, oh, now i got to scroll all the way down again. In Hebrew... East can refer to eternity. See, with all these numbers, it's easy to get lost. Um, here we go. Let's see. Anatole. And according to this, east, day, spring, it means a rising of the sun and stars. The east, the direction of the sun's rising. A rising. Okay, so it, it seems like it's just, it's only talking about the compass direction here. Um, in Hebrew, in Hebrew, like with the Garden of Eden, there's, 
there's some interesting things with the word east and eastward. It it, it could mean something about deter, uh, eternity coming out of eternity, and it would be it'd be interesting if that same type of thing. And it might because Jesus likely wasn't speaking Greek here. So when he said east, maybe he used that same Hebrew word. I don't. We just don't know. But um, that word east, you know. It could it could mean something about eternity, like the the heavenly realm, like eternity outside of time, like Jesus, um, as lightning kind of comes out of the heavens, out of you know eternity and shineth even to the west. Uh, if this is if this is allegorical and is talking about like eternity and and just physical reality, that's how Jesus is going to come too. Uh, Jesus is going to come out of eternity and into physical reality. Don't know if there's anything to that. So uh, that is definitely not something to hinge a whole doctrine on, but uh, it would be interesting if those definitions, um, you know, like went over to the Greek as well. Um, Okay. So what's next? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. See again, if this is 70 AD, then now it starts to get harder. You know, the, the more you get into these specific descriptions, uh, the more you have to allegorize things to make to make like any form of preterism work, or or to say that this is all 70 AD. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and shall uh, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great gl- glory. This. To me, it's just obvious that this is at the end of the tribulation. The futurist interpretation makes sense. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Uh, now, I don't think that this this one here is the rapture, uh, and I'm a pre-trib rapture believer, but I don't believe Matthew twenty four thirty one is the rapture. Um, I believe this is... Uh, God sending out his, his his angels. This is a separation of the wheat and the tares, the goats and the sheep. This is the angels bringing people um, to to stand before God for for judgment. So I don't think this is the rapture. I think at this point we have already been enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years. Uh, we as Christians, um, but all of this, I mean, you have to allegorize this entire thing for this to be still 70 AD. So for it to be 70 AD, it makes sense in the beginning. And then you can use, you know, literal language. It makes total sense. You can, you can, you can read it just plainly and know what it's saying. But the further you go down Matthew 24, if you really want to keep holding on to the 70 AD thing for the whole thing, you have to start allegorizing things. And that, that's where I get lost. That's where people lose me. That's where it's like, you know, I can use the same the same way that I interpreted the first part of it. I can use that to interpret the 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 rest of it and have it make plain sense if if it's a futurist interpretation if that's the correct way. Then it makes sense and I don't have to allegorize all of this stuff. Now, we don't take it hyper literally either. We don't literally believe stars are going to fall from heaven and 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 bash into the earth because stars are suns. I mean, that would destroy stories over that would destroy the earth. So we don't take it hyper literally either, but I don't think you I don't think taking it hyper allegorically is correct. I think that the way that you take the first part of the chapter, you know, you just, it is what it is. You just take it as it is what it is. It's that simple. I think if you, if you follow that, that track, 
along the rest of the chapter. I think you come to a seven-year tribulation sometime in the future, and at the end of that, um, and it, you know, I, I know this doesn't say seven years. You you, you get that from other areas, but but uh, this does talk about a tribulation. Now, you you can't get like a specific. If you just take Matthew twenty-four in isolation, you can't get a specific rapture view out of it. The only thing that it talks about is the middle of the tribulation with the abomination of desolation. So you know that might give the pre-wrath mid mid-trib rapture believers, you know, kind of a check in their box for, for this one. Um, but again, there's nothing in pre-tribulation rapture belief that is inconsistent or that doesn't follow with that verse. It just means, you know, once after the rapture, people can still get saved. So it's just talking about them. Uh, so I don't, I don't see an issue there, but I think that this is, you know, 29 through 31, this is all at the end. So he's, he's, he's answering the last part of that question. You know, when's, when's the sign of your coming and the end of the world? He's talking about that. Um, then he gets into the fig tree stuff, which I wasn't, I'm probably not going to get into. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot more here that we can get the, the whole fig tree thing we can get into in another day. Uh, but I mainly, cause it, it's just, it, I'll, I'll be talking for another hour at least if we do that. And I want to get on to other things. Um, cause there, there is some interesting stuff in there too, in the, in the whole preterist 70 AD versus futurist, you know, prophecies being fulfilled in the future. There's some interesting things in here too. Uh, but we will have to get to that another day. And, and Hey, I wanted to ask you guys, um, do you like with Peck reports? Do you like when we do the Bible studies more than the commentary on current events? Because here's the thing: I gotta back off of politics, <laughs> um, I, I and, and current events and stuff. It doesn't mean that I want to be ignorant to what's going on in the world, but I was I was starting to get to a point, I believe, and I wrote about this on Facebook, and it had a pretty huge response. So I think other people are in that same place. So maybe this is something that we could all use. Um, but I was starting to get to a point where politics and current events were becoming more important to me than even like learning about like reading the Bible or watching Bible studies or, or any of that stuff, uh, like, like Jesus centered stuff. And I, I was getting bitter over it. I was, I was, I was having a harder time loving other people, which to me, that's, I'm in dangerous territory if I'm starting to feel like that. But I was starting to have a hard time because I would just see all these people like pro-abortion people or people that want that, that are so proud about murdering their babies and, and um, or, or voting for just terrible leaders. And I was seeing all that in the riots and just everything going on, you know, burn, burning our cities down. And it, it was, it was just getting harder for me to feel any kind of love for these people. And that's a horrible place to be in. And, and it really, it shook me up because I'm, I'm thinking, man, if I don't, if I, if I don't feel, it's not that I didn't feel any love for them, but it, I, I could tell it was starting to get harder. It, it was getting easier for me to be dismissive and, and, you know, kind of like, you know, more mocking and, and that, that kind of stuff. And I really don't like that. That's, that's not fruit of the spirit in my opinion. And so, um, it was kind of a wake up call for me because I, I was, I was on a path, I think that was leading me away from a place of love. 
and if I'm not, if I don't have as much love as I possibly can for these people, I'm not going to be as motivated to share the gospel with them. And same goes for you. So I made the decision for myself, and this is just for myself. I'm not saying everybody should do this. Uh, it's probably a good idea, but I know that God probably calls some people into politics. So I don't, I don't, I, I can only really speak for myself. And if it tracks along with you, then great. Then you, you can do it too. But, um, but you got to follow God in whatever you do. But I, I decided I've got to back off of politics. I, I got to quit sharing articles, um, from Fox News and in you know Daily Wire and you know I I love all those guys and I think they're doing great work. Um, I've stopped watching uh, Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and people that I really like and they're all doing great work. But for me, it was it was just making me angry. That's all it was doing. It wasn't edifying. It wasn't bringing me closer to Jesus. And and I I had to really ask myself, what's more important to me? Is it more important to me to be as close with Jesus as I can and to spread the gospel and to actually love people? Or is it more important to me that I'm correct and that I'm annoyed with the evil things that people are doing and that I know that I'm right and they're wrong? And I was starting to head down that path and I, I really didn't like it. So I've backed off from it and I, I I don't think I want to talk about it as much on Peck Report. Now it's going to come up in 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 the sense of like if you watch Skywatch TV, like we we talk about politics on there, but it's it's only ever to serve as an example for a bigger thing we're talking about, having to do with Jesus and the persecution of Christians, um, you know, trying to apply it into Christ, Christians' lives. So there's there's a difference between using it as an example of a greater thing, and then just using it as the one thing. So I'm, I, for me personally, I've made the decision I'm going to back off. So now I'm thinking of like, what can we do for Peck report? Now I'm, I, I'll, I'll still talk about things if it's like a fulfillment of prophecy, you know, and that, that actually, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. This new, uh, this new DVD that we have coming out that I'm excited about. Um, I'm still going to talk about that stuff, but I, I just, I don't ever want politics or current events to take, the place of Jesus in my life. Like I want to make Jesus first and foremost and not talk about how horrible these people on the other political side of the aisle are and how good we Christians are. Like, I just, I, I can't stand that stuff. Humanity, humanity is fallen and broken and everybody needs the gospel. And that's what we should be focusing on. And so I've been thinking of, of doing just more Bible study kind of stuff on Peck report, like what we did today. But I want to know from you, do you do you like that idea? Um, is that something that you can get behind? And I'm I'm kind of curious if you're where I'm at with the politics thing. I, I notice a lot of people on Facebook are a lot of them. Um, I, I I got more reactions from that than I do most of my posts, and a lot of people are are feeling the same conviction I I did. So I think that that's what we're going to try to do more of. I'll still talk about articles and provide commentary, but I I think mostly what we want to do is 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 shine the light of Jesus in this dark world not worry about who's right and who's wrong what what's what's the next dumb thing that Biden said like i i just i don't i don't want to deal with that kind of stuff anymore um it it was taking me down a dark path that i don't want to go down and i'll tell you what since i've stopped watching that stuff and since i've stopped posting about it th there's been such a peace it's only been a month maybe but there's been such a peace uh, that that has come into my life and and, and into just the family into the house and uh 
it, it's it's been really good. I haven't been on my phone as much, which is also nice. Um, so it's really good. What what started to wake me up to this was how politicized I saw child sex trafficking becoming, and I I, I just think. That is the last thing that should be politicized. That is something that everybody, no matter what political affiliation you have, should be able to get behind. But then I hear people say, yeah, but the Democrats, this, no, stop. I'm not interested. I, I don't even want it. I, I don't want it to be politicized. Bad people do bad things. All right. That's just what it boils down to. It's, it's. Just bad people do bad. There's pedof there's Republican pedophiles too. I don't care if it's more on one side or another because the sides don't matter. You know, what matters is children are being abused and evil people are doing it. Well, what's going to stop it? it it's not going to be a top-down approach. You know, we just vote the right guy in and he'll put an end to it. Now, I, I'll, I'm, our president is doing some good stuff. Okay, but ultimately, that's not going to end it. What's going to end it is us as individuals taking it upon ourselves to go and spread the gospel to everybody who we, we need to and to not take in any of this sexualized culture in our own lives. That's what's going to end it. So, like, if you're watching pornography, for example, you're part of the problem and it needs to stop. There's a direct connection between pornography for adults and child pornography child sex trafficking. You can't get around it. If you're viewing pornography, you are contributing to the child sex trade. So those individual choices, choosing to not rent any movies that use sex to sell it, you know, um, that's going to be the kind of stuff we, we create a culture that isn't so sexualized that doesn't just run on sex all the time. That's what's going to, that's what's going to fix this problem. So, um, I just politics aside, I, I just you, po politics follows culture. Right. And I think that culture actually follows religion, follows um, either Christianity or Satanism, depending who's on what side of, of, of that coin. So I think the ultimate answer is we all need to get some good theology under our belts. We We need to go out and spread the gospel and we need to not worry so much about if somebody's a Democrat or Republican or a conservative or liberal. It, it just, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. So that's where I'm at with this. Okay. Uh, I'd like to know what you think. Please leave me a comment. Um, I have a new DVD that, uh, that daily renegade is, is producing and it's called what comes next. It's about the Abraham accord and the possible prophetic significance of it. Uh, we have guests, um, Derek Gilbert, Lieutenant Colonel Rob, Robert McGinnis, uh, Zachary Lautides did the voiceover. And um, if you look him up, you'll you'll know who he is immediately. You might not recognize the name. Um, I had to look up his IMDb at first to, to remember or to, to recognize who he is. But you've seen him and heard him before. Zachary Lautides. He was on Prison Break, if you remember that show. Uh, well, he, he and I became pretty good friends, and um, he offered to do the voiceover for me for this daily renegade project. And so I'm excited about that. But if you are a member, you're going to get to watch the movie for free once it's available. Um, but right now, if you're a member, you're going to get to see a sneak peek of the movie. I'm going to actually let you see some of it. 
uh, so you know you, you can see where we're at in the movie and, and what's going on. So we're going to switch over to members only. Um, please become a member, dailyrenegade.com, $10 a month or $100 a year. I suggest getting the $100 a year because then you get two months for free, which is awesome. And you only got to pay for it once. You don't have to think about it again. It's it's an investment in your future. And also, we have, it's not just Peck Report. We have Christian Contrarian. We have the Christian Marauder. Uh, we, we have Eye on Prophecy. We have Detox Babylon. Um, we have lots of great shows that um, really provide some spiritual guidance, fellowship, theology, which is something we could all use. And you're going to, it's all family friendly, friendly. Uh, so, you know, we're we're trying to be the Netflix of fringe Christianity, you know, sort of like pure flicks, but not as corny. <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to actually give you some good, just solid content uh, and and education. And um, we're giving you that multiple times a week. I mean, it's called Daily Renegade for a reason. So we we implore you don't spend your money on netflix if if you if you are having trouble coming up with the money for the membership cancel netflix cancel hulu you know uh they they don't they don't love you <laughs> they really don't uh they hate you actually <clears throat> they hate christians because they they put up movies about gay jesus and they have no problems with that but if it's a christian talking about something then they have issues so just don't give them your money, you know, vote with your dollar. It helps contribute to creating a culture where all this evil stuff doesn't have to be the norm. So come on over to us and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you and treat you right. And you can get a good heavy dose of Jesus in every show that you watch. And, um, so that, that would help out a lot. We're still trying to develop that app. It, it has taken a pause because again, uh, COVID really messed a lot of things up. Um, but that's also why we're we're going to start producing some movies now. Uh, so we will have the DVD for sale. If you're a member, you'll be able to view it on the website, at least this first movie. You'll be able to view on the website for free. So get a membership while you can. Um, if you're not a member and you want to watch the movie, you'll be able to rent it. We're, we're going to have rentals available. Uh, and there will be DVD purchases too. So you can actually buy the DVD itself. So we're really looking forward to that. Uh, we're excited about it. Um, so that is coming up. And actually, if you bear with me for a moment, I can show you, I can show you the cover. Let me, let me get it up on the screen, but we're, we're really excited about this, uh, this movie what it could mean for the future of Daily Renegade. And we're hoping, because we've been trying to figure out what can we do to bring you guys more content that you can really use and what's going to help edify you, especially in these troubling times. You know, what's going to help you be able to witness to people better or um, how how to talk about things like prophecy with with your friends without sounding like, a lunatic, you, you know, that kind of stuff. We really want to do whatever we can to aid you guys in that. And I think these movies could really help. I say these movies because if this, if this first one goes well, we'll make more. Um, I don't, I don't see this as being a series exactly, but, uh, we, we just, we just want to make some movies. So here's, here's the cover. 
Ama- amazing. Uh, it's called again. It's called "What Comes Next: How Signs in the Heavens Predicted the Historic Abraham Accord Weeks in Advance and What It Means for Our Future." Uh, narrated by Zachary Lautides. And again, we have uh, myself, my wife Christina Peck is in it. Derek Gilbert, Ro- uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis. And you can, if you go to the Daily Renegade YouTube channel which is probably where you're viewing this now if you're viewing it on YouTube, you can uh, see a trailer. We made a short, like, one-minute trailer for it. You can see a trailer. Uh, And we'll play that for members only as well, but you're actually going to get some content in the members section. But it says, The Israel and UFO connection is heating up like never before. What does the peace agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, referred to as the Abraham Accord, mean for us today? Is it merely a historic event, or could it have prophetic implications? How was this event predicted more than two weeks prior to its announcement? Join filmmaker author and researcher josh pack with the help of top experts in biblical prophecy ancient history government cover-ups and modern geopolitics on a journey of discovery through this strange event what led up to it and what comes next in this groundbreaking film you will learn how the abraham accord could play into bible prophecy the historical pattern going back thousands of years used to predict this event how the pattern was discovered and what happened with its first prediction what a Pentagon insider says about the government's special interest in UFOs and Israel, the plans of the U.S. government for Israel and American citizens, what to expect in the near future, and how to survive and thrive in the short time we may have left. Um, all right, so that is that. We're going to switch over to members-only content now and let the let you members see a free sneak peek of the movie. Um, so thank you so much, everybody for watching, everybody viewing for free. Uh, thank you. Thank even you, even if you haven't been able to get uh, membership members, hang on the line, everybody else. We will see you next time. Take care and God bless.